TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. It's Friday night, so I'm feeling all right. It's Score North, scorenorth.com. It is the Scoop Podcast. We have the 6 o'clock hour here on 1500 AM on your conventional radio dial. No time to waste. Let's get to Wolves and Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. Glenn, always appreciate your time. What is your excitement level now that we're talking here a couple days after the Monday official announcement of Gerson Rosas joining your organization? Just take us through your emotions, how excited you are. Well, first of all, I'm just glad how the process worked and that we were able to do it, uh, you know, fairly kind of very important decision. Uh, I'm really pleased with the individual that we have selected, uh, that I think he just brings a lot of the qualities that we were looking for. And we had a lot of great candidates, and uh, I think we're going to be very pleased with his leadership. What qualities specifically were you looking for, Glenn? I think that uh, someone that has uh, vision, uh, experience uh, with success, um, you know, a person that has flexibility that would look at our team, where we're at, and where we want to go, and we'll come up with some uh, intriguing or challenging uh, uh, ways for us to, to meet our goals of getting into the playoffs and, and heading for a championship. I just think uh, this individual... Uh, in the interviewing him, uh, has the flexibility and the strength uh, that's needed for that challenge. Did you know pretty quickly after him and his wife made the drive down to spend some time at your house, Glenn, with you and Becky, that he would be the guy? Or did you need to sit back, listen for a bit, and then come to the conclusion, okay, Ethan's recommendation, the committee's recommendation, that this is the guy, that this is, in fact, the guy? Well, we uh, had a number of people interview him. And, uh, and so I had that information uh, provided me. Also, I uh, had a telephone interview with him uh, on which I was able to get a lot of the information that I uh, wanted. That went very well. Uh, but still, uh, you, you need to have a face-to-face. Uh, he and his wife came down and spent some time with us, you know, perhaps two and a half hours. Uh, I think uh, everything I saw in that two and a half hours was consistent with what everyone else saw and with my telephone interview of him. Uh, sort of based upon that, I just felt that uh, I was ready to make a commitment to him if he was willing to do uh, likewise. He was, and we you know, did a handshake agreement uh, before he left. Is his contract a three-year contract, Glenn? His contract is a four-year Okay, so I mean, was that was there any was there any difficulty in negotiating the contract, or once you guys had the handshake agreement, it was snap of the fingers. He said yes, and you had your guy. Yeah, I would say it was the latter. That uh, uh, I told him what we were willing to do, uh, and uh, he, you know, shared with me what he thought would be fair with them, and uh, based upon that, <clears throat> I said, uh, you know, we made an agreement. It's, that part just took uh, less than five minutes. How many people, Glenn, did you talk to, whether within the Rockets organization, the NBA, that said you have a rock star, that you need to hire this guy? Well, we had lots of people that just volunteered that, uh, you know, before I 
talk to him personally. I had, you know, uh, done quite a bit of communications with the rocket, but not with this, uh, not with him. You know, when we were looking at the uh, uh, Jimmy Butler trade, uh, they were one of the teams that uh, spent a lot of time, and, and I talked to them. So my information came from those individuals that I knew, uh, mostly in the rocket organization, who were very high on him. And, of course, we checked with Dallas because he had gone down there and worked there for a short period of time. And then with some other um, GMs, uh, in different organizations that had worked with him, they were all consistent in that they gave him a very high uh, praise and uh, based upon his experience. So you know uh, that that pushed them into our list of four candidates that we interviewed personally. What was the feedback you got from Dallas, Glenn? I mean, I know that was six years ago, but I mean that is a talking point, right? That he was there for three months and then he abruptly left. The um, I don't think there was any disagreement between him and Dallas in that that uh, that Mark Cuban had had hired him to come in to make some changes, and um, and he was uh, eager to take on that responsibility. But he said, and I think they said that once he got there, that those changes would probably uh, take longer than he anticipated. He perhaps didn't have the authority that he thought he was given, and uh, he just didn't see that uh, for him in the long run that it was going to be, you know, what he wanted. And uh, in the meantime, the job that he had left at Houston was still open, so uh, Houston said that he could come back and kind of, uh, you know, didn't lose any uh, time or money or anything like that if he came back and. He said it was just—he felt it was the right thing for him to do. Was Kevin McHale somebody you reached out to, Glenn, to get some feedback on Rosas? Well, I'm not. Uh, I talked to a bunch of people, and of course, Kevin's a friend of mine. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's why it just—it makes logical sense. Any yeah. explanation why maybe he hasn't been hired before he's interviewed for other jobs? I mean, seemingly he was going to get one of these jobs eventually. Any any idea why he hadn't landed one of these jobs in the past that he was available for you? I can't put my finger on anything particular other than I talked to them, and they all thought that he was a, uh, you know, the number two candidate. But in each case, uh, because of either some other experience or knowledge or something, uh, there was always someone else that uh, came in as number one. How will he change this oh, roster? I don't think that I could answer that question. I don't think that he could. Uh, I know that he's already uh, communicated with the whole roster of uh, individuals, so I think it's, it's just something that will take shape, uh, giving him a little bit more time, uh, looking at our draft, what we're able to do in the draft. Uh, he doesn't have as much flexibility, I'm sure, as he would like, only that, you know, um, you know when Tibbs was there, that he made uh, some commitments that... Um, Two other players that'll take a year or two to, um, you know, uh, come to an end that will provide us flexibility. But in the meantime, uh, I think his first direction would be to see what he can do to develop the players we have and see if we can utilize them in a uh, type of uh, offense and defense that maybe fits their skill sets and. Uh, and then also just see if 
the players are um, willing, willing or able to put in the effort to have a better year. Is Andrew Wiggins willing to put that effort in? Well, I think, you know, Andrew, uh, of course, I've talked to Andrew because uh, I want the same thing. I would just say that Andrew uh, responds to me, and, uh, and I know the response to uh, interim coach Orion has been that he, he is willing to do that. And is the belief that Andrew might spend a little bit more time here in the Twin Cities this summer working with well, the coaching staff? Well, I think that's that to be so. I just think that uh, uh, the things that that he needs to improve upon are just things that will take uh, time and practice. And it's hard to do that during the season because they're so busy, you know, just getting ready for the next game. So the best time to make that improvement is during the summer. And that's something that uh, Kevin McHale, with my uh, working with Kevin over all those years, really kind of, you know, made a point uh, with me is that that's your opportunity time to work with these guys during the summer. And he was gave me his examples of what he did each summer to improve his, you know, uh, play. I mean, Wiggins is now five years through his career, Glenn. Do you feel like, I mean, he's still relatively young, but after five years, I mean, is it possible this is who he is, or do you feel like he still has a ceiling that he can hit as he enters year six, year seven, year eight? I, I'm of the belief that he can do better and that he can improve. And that's a little bit based upon, I mean, if we just, I think you take Harden or you take other players. And we, we took a list of players that, um, uh, that have improved, and I've gone over that list of players that in their career have done really well. And for some reason or other, it didn't start out as fast as you would assume that they did. It took them a few years to get going. So I think there's some examples out there of that uh, the show that might be the case. And then just watching Andrew, uh, that uh, just at the end of this year, it seems he improved, you know. And I asked him why he thought that he was doing a little better in the, towards the end of the year, and he just thought that there was that uh, Ryan gave him some more flexibility than he had under Tom. Now, I don't know if that's right or not, but I'm just sharing with you that uh, he indicated to me that that in the uh, right uh, offensive scheme that uh, he thought he could do better, too. Well, it sounds like Ryan Saunders needs to be the full-time head coach, then. Well, I think uh, what uh, Andrew was saying, that that it is important for him that he, he works with, with a coach that uh, is helpful to him and, you know, sees the talent and feels positive about him, if that's Ryan or some other coach. But uh, that it is an important ingredient that somehow he, he felt that he fell out of favor with Tom. Is it safe to think, Glenn, that your general manager, Scott Layden, will still be in place for a while? Maybe eventually he gets reassigned, but that he's going to be a part of this organization for a while? Well, I think that's a, that's a pretty good probability and the when I did talk to um, Derson that uh, he knew Scott, he had worked with Scott, he's very familiar with him, so this is not like uh, two strangers coming together. They know each other uh, just because of their being in the NBA for a long period of time. They both have a great deal of respect. So I think, you know, to me is one of the things that I would do is just to look at, uh, uh, you know, what are um, Scott's strengths, 
and how do you use them? And uh, you know, start out with that, and and um, you know, those, those two guys just have to get together and talk this over and and uh, come up with a plan. Did Gerson tell you about any hires that he wants to bring in, whether it's, you know, a strength coach or maybe he's got a really good trainer or support staff? Did he talk to you about specific guys that he plans on bringing into the organization? No, but that's because I never pressed him on uh, our own people and I didn't impress, ask him about other people. I just talked to him about that it's important that he interviews the people that are on staff right now, come to some conclusion. The quicker he can do it, the better it will be for us because we've got to make decisions faster because there's some other teams that are going to be looking for the talent out there too, and you want to get on, get going on that as soon as possible. So we talked about, the, you know, that the Chicago tryouts are coming up. That's a good time also to, you know, to meet and talk to people. So we didn't talk in, in particular about anybody on our staff, and we didn't talk about, uh, a list from him. How are the injured players doing, Glenn, that have had surgery in recent months, whether it's Robert Covington, Jeff Teague, Derek Rose? I've, I've talked to the doctors and I've talked to the individuals, and everybody thinks they're progressing on a, on the current timetable that we have. And if they do that, I think that uh, we'll have time for them to practice this summer, get involved, get in shape uh, well before we, we start in October. And then I suppose Rose is a free agent, so we don't even know if he'll be back. Would you like Derek Rose to be back? I've talked to Derek just personally, and I've talked to his agent, uh, indicated our uh, you know, desires to have him back, and they indicated that, that he loves playing here and he hopes to be back too. Now, <laughs> officially, we, you know, we haven't talked about money or anything like that. So it's just, a, just a, in a uh, conversation of that uh, how did last year go so that's you know in the future and that's uh you know one of the things that i've got to leave up to my coach and, and to my uh, president of basketball to see if uh this can be worked out would you like tyus jones back he's a restricted free agent we all love tyus or a lot of us love tyus yeah and so do i uh the thing that i've got to be aware of and i think we all do is tyus is a free agent and his value probably will be set by uh, perhaps some other teams out there. I mean, it's just the way it's done when you're when you're restricted out there. But then, of course, we have the option to fulfill that. Now, you know, we are dealing with a limited amount of money, and we have a you know about five guys that we've got to fill in there. So it's got to work out. Do you have any lucky charms as we head into next Tuesday with the draft lottery? Well, no, they, my guys had all said I was supposed to take Becky along because she was the lucky charm that I had when we uh, got Carl. So mm-hmm. but I, I said that uh, let's uh, have our uh, new uh, president of basketball out there because I think it's good exposure for him. Yeah, I mean, and Glenn, is it hard to believe, I think it's now 21 times you've been in the lottery, that technically you guys have never moved up? I mean, at some point... You're due to move up. Even the year you guys got Carl, you guys did have the worst record. So you were supposed to pick first. At some point, Glenn, luck is going to be on your side, is it not? And you will move up on lottery night? Yeah, well, I believe, like you believe, it should happen. But I don't have much confidence that it will happen. So I think, you know, we've asked our guys to look at, you know, around that uh, 13th pick or 10th pick 
uh, you know, who's going to be available, and that's what we've been working on all year. Do you still foresee yourself owning this team for a while now? I mean, no plans. I mean, you've talked before. You've been open. You've been candid about it. You've had talks in the past about maybe, you know, either outright selling or maybe going from majority owner to limited partner. But is your plan to own this team for a while now? Yeah, I think the only thing that I've really seriously talked about is that uh, uh, to bring in a limited partner, and I'm still working on that with Mayor. Uh, I think, you know, he's been good. But a lot has to do with if my other limiteds want to sell out. And at this point, you know, they've indicated they want to stay in. So, you know, all of my time has been uh, spent on that. I'm going to be the majority owner and and, and keep working on that because I do enjoy it. Any new talks of you trying to get the Wolves to the Eastern Conference? Nope. No new talks. So, I mean, that's just, it's not going to happen, right? Because I'm guessing Memphis, New Orleans, so many teams would love to go from the West to the East. Yeah, it's not going to happen. The Lynx open at least the exhibition portion of their schedule on Friday night. So many new faces here, Glenn. Are you excited to see how things come together? I am excited. I talked to the team the other day, all team members, as I said to them, I've been coming to these meetings uh, knowing all the faces and talking to them. And I said, this is the first year when there's so many new faces. So Cheryl's going to have her challenge, you know, but uh, she's, the right, she's the right coach to take it on. Rebecca Brunson isn't in camp right now, but do you sense that maybe at some point she could she could come back or have the concussions? I mean, a brain injury. I mean, that's nothing to mess with that Rebecca Brunson is indeed done. Well, it's, it's just up to her so much. I mean, I think we're assuming that uh, we have to be uh, ready to play without her, and I think all of our decisions have sort of been made upon that. But Rebecca has to decide, you know, and the doctors working with her, what's in her best interest. And we're not going to push her, ask her to do something that she's not ready to do. Have you been in contact with Maya Moore recently? Not recently. I have in the past, but I know our coach has. And is the belief that, that she wants to be back at some point? I mean, I guess that would be next year, that this is just a one-year hiccup, that she wants to take the break and deal with some personal stuff, and maybe this time next year she's back playing for you guys? I think it's a maybe, but I, you know, I haven't pushed her on that. Uh, we've, uh, and she hasn't indicated if this is a one-year or multi-year thing. Uh, again, I just think it's best that we let Maya uh, uh, work on, on the things that she wants to work on, and that's the time she's asked for the year off. Do you think Sylvia Files has another move or two in her you know, bag of tricks that, that she has even another level to her game, that she's added something to her game, that she's already an MVP, but that she can be even better for you guys this year? Well, she's near the top, but I'm I, uh, just watching her and uh, what she will need to do and with her leadership, I expect her to probably uh, take a step up if she's healthy. And then I'll leave you with this, and Glenn. She is, and yeah. she is healthy. Oh, good. Well, that's fantastic. I'll leave you with this, Glenn. How grateful are you that you have Cheryl Reeve running the links? I mean, both from a front office standpoint and a coaching standpoint. How much do you value your relationship with Cheryl? No, we're very close, and we work together, and I have the great admiration for her, and not only as a person but as a coach. So. Uh, it's wonderful working with her.
Glenn, I always appreciate your time. You're very open. I mean, a lot of owners don't grant the access that you do. So thank you so much, and have a wonderful rest of your weekend. All right. Same to you. Thank you. Wolves and Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. I taped that conversation on Wednesday. I apologize for the background noise with his cell phone, but... I think you were able to understand what he said, and heck, he's the owner, right? When the owner says, hey, let's talk, we talk. So I wasn't going to mess around with his schedule. Once he called me and said, hey, let's record, I said, let's do it. So I'm hoping you were able to comprehend what Glenn was saying there on his cell phone. By the way, Andrew Wiggins in town right now. Andrew Wiggins came to town to meet Gerson Rosas, and he's been working out the last couple days. Robert Covington is here as well. Cam Reynolds is in town right now. Josh Okogie, Kata Bates-Diop. Yes, you will see a lot more Wolves players in town. It's what normal teams do. A lot more Wolves players will be in town this summer working out than certainly last year. It'll be night and day compared to last summer. When we come back, we'll continue the NBA talk. Bobby Marks of ESPN will join. He's a big fan of Gerson Rosas. Stay tuned. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that listen to Score North, scorenorth.com, or podcast this particular podcast. It is the Scoop Podcast, so you may not be listening live on this Friday night, so if you're podcasting it later, nonetheless, Happy Mother's Day specifically to my mom, and to my beautiful wife, Laura. Happy, happy Mother's Day. It is segment number two here on the Scoop Podcast on this Friday night on Score North and scorenorth.com. Let's continue the NBA theme. Let's catch up with friend Bobby Marks. Worked in the Nets front office for a long time. He now is an analyst for ESPN. At one point, he was the assistant general manager of the Nets. Bobby, always love picking your brain. We'll get to the Wolves and your opinion on the hiring of Gerson Rosas and some other Wolves talkers in just a second. But let's start with the NBA playoffs. Is it okay? I mean, I know we're supposed to be objective, right? I'm biased, but am I okay rooting tonight for the Houston Rockets? I mean, I selfishly, Bobby, want three game sevens on Sunday. So I am rooting for the Houston Rockets tonight. Is that okay? I think it's okay. And I think if you are a Houston uh, Rocket fan or you work in that front office, uh, I think anything less than winning this series is probably unacceptable. I mean, I really do. I mean, if it's if they can't get out of a, a first round, a second round series against Golden State without Kevin Durant, uh, I know you have to win an Oracle on a on a Sunday. Um, then I don't know, you know, I don't know what what Daryl Morey in that in that front office would do. But yeah, I think it's I think it's the nature of the beast. I mean, I'm I'm ready to sit in front of my TV on Sunday at three thirty seven and I guess nine thirty to, uh, to to watch three game sevens. That shoot, I don't know when the last time that happened. Yeah, I mean, heck, has it ever happened? I hope my wife is understanding. I hope maybe we can take care of some of the Mother's Day duties morning into the early afternoon, then she might be okay, allowing me just to sit on the couch and watch a bunch of basketball. Although the kids, right, the kids get into that mix too. But the older son, if if he's in the right mood, he'll be, he'll be definitely open-minded to watching a bunch of basketball. But, yeah, I mean, Sunday could set up to be just brilliant. How about the point spread tonight? Did you see the point spread for tonight's game that the Warriors are a seven-point underdog? I mean, I think Houston wins tonight, Bobby, but I think it might be competitive. Even without Durant, I think I might take the Warriors plus seven points. That just seems a bit too high. Well, you're right, and I think you know sometimes we forget how good Curry and Thompson and Green are, and I know um, you know Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut's older, but um, a lot of the same names and faces are, are you know from that 2015 team are are still there. Um, but yeah, I think they look at it where how Durant is out, um, where the two games were, the games three and four from a points um, point differential. Um, and then kind of go through there. But they're begging you to p- take somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're trying to do is trying to throw that um, 
you know, th- throw that out there for you to, you know, to, to, you know, Vegas is never, usually never wrong here. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, that I did see that. That's a, that's certainly a big number. Worst case scenario, we will have two game sevens on Sunday. Let's start with the Eastern Conference one, Philadelphia and Toronto. Who do you like in that game? Well, I mean, I like Toronto just because they're home. Um, but, you know, in Philadelphia, sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, it looks like Embiid is finally healthy, which is certainly a plus. Um, but there's a lot of pressure on Toronto, you know, being at home. Um, you, if you're Philadelphia um, and you are Jimmy Butler, who played in a lot of big games and has played in some game sevens here, um, that is a nice um, – but that's nice to have on your roster as an, as an insurance policy here. But I think Toronto's got to – they're going to have to get off to a good start. They're going to have to make shots. I think if they're playing catch-up, I think they could be in trouble here. And I think you saw in the Game 6 loss when you're not making shots, you allow that team to kind of get out and transition. And with Ben Simmons, it's kind of like full steam ahead here. So um, I do like I do like Toronto. Um, I just – I you know, I weigh the home factor a lot. But I do think it's going to be key that they're not they're not um, you know they're not playing catch up ball games. Do you buy the narrative? I mean, not that everybody is rolling with this, but some people are saying, okay, you look at Kawhi Leonard, pending free agent. You look at Jimmy Butler, pending free agent. I mean, I think he's going to opt into free agency. Then you have Tobias Harris, pending free agent. That this singular game will decide maybe the fate of some of these guys, whether they re-sign with whether it's Philly or Toronto or test the market, maybe in Leonard's case, end up in L.A. with the Clippers. I mean, I just I have a hard time buying into that, Bobby, that one game will decide whether Kawhi stays in Toronto or goes to Los Angeles. And it's not like he's ring chasing. He has a ring. And even in the case of Jimmy and Tobias, I just I guess I don't buy that, okay, if Philadelphia loses on Sunday, that those guys are automatically gone. And if they win, that they're automatically back. I don't buy it either. I mean, these organizations have had – you know, basically, maybe Tobias is a little bit different, but a whole year to sell, you know, Kawhi Leonard on not just basketball, but basically everything else here. And if he's going to base it on not getting to a conference finals, then, you know, that was a, you know, that's a big gamble that the, the Raptors kind of, you know, took in here. So I think he knows kind of where he is. Um, I think whenever they lose or if they don't, maybe they win it all, um, that he's going to take a big picture approach and not you know, that they lost to Philadelphia in game seven. I think Butler and Harris, I think, are a little bit different because I think if you if you roll out, you know, the um, the Brinks truck for either player, that's probably, I don't care what they do in game seven here, that's going to be a, um, a a telling sign here. So, no, I mean, I, you know, shoot, I thought that, you know, Durant losing, I guess, in, what, 2016 to Golden State would have made him come back to to to, to Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't think he was going to sign with Golden State, so I don't, I don't believe in the, um, I don't believe in that that narrative there that that whatever happens on Sunday will dictate these guys' future. Much like you like Toronto because of home court, do you like Denver on Sunday because of home court? I just like Denver because I think they're the better team. I, I really do. I mean, I think you know, I know uh, Portland played well in Game Six, but I, you know, with with Jokic and Millsap, I think their size is. Um, uh, you know, they've got great size there. I think Jamal Murray has played in big games. He's won a game seven against San Antonio here. Um, I just think the overall, you know, from one to eight is better than what Portland can, can kind of roll out there. And, I, you know, and you're playing in, in Denver. So you have that um, you have that home court factor, too. And um, it's I don't think this team is, is afraid of the big moment in Denver. Um, I really don't. I think winning on the road in game four um, – how they won in Game Five at home um, 
that I could see, you know, I can certainly see this team winning. Denver is fascinating, Bobby, to many Wolves fans. I mean, if you circle back a year ago, remember there was the playing game. Last game of the regular season, winner gets the eight seed. Loser doesn't make the playoffs. The Wolves beat Denver at Target Center, end up making the playoffs for the first time in forever, end up losing in five games to Houston, but making the playoffs was a big deal at the time. But you think about it as we fast forward one year later, just how much has changed. You know, Denver doesn't make the playoffs. Now all of a sudden they're the two seed, and the Wolves, Tom Thibodeau let go, Jimmy Butler forces his way out. I mean, just another reminder, and heck, we could probably do an entire show on this topic. We could probably do like a 30 for 30 documentary on this topic, but I can just tell you, Bobby, and I'm just curious your reaction. Like, what would you tell Wolves fans who are just banging their heads against the table saying, geez, look at Denver a year ago, now look at Denver now, look at our favorite team, the Wolves, a year ago, and now look at the Wolves now? I would say that just because you have young players, the window is not always going to be open. <laughs> That's what I would say mm-hmm. to take advantage of when you are in that in that moment. Uh, and you know, who knows if Denver will ever be back to this you know spot? I'm sure if they do lose on uh, on Sunday, then the narrative will be well, this team is intact. They'll return. They got the same starting five. You know, they'll be here again. But um, you know, look at with Boston. You know, I mean, that doesn't you know just because you have a good team on paper doesn't guarantee you anything. There's a lot of different, um, a lot of different uh, factors there. On Boston, do you think Kyrie has played his last game in Boston? And what's the money difference? What money would he be leaving on the table per se if he leaves Boston and signs with Brooklyn, for example? Uh, about fifty million. Mm. Um, he can earn 189 in Boston, and you know 140 in um, in a team like Brooklyn or the Lakers there, and. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I, I have a hard time believing he'd ever recoup that in his in his career. So, I think Boston will make him that offer. Um, I think they knew what they were getting themselves into two years ago. Um, what happens to the rest of the roster? I think you will probably the likelihood is that you know if, if Kyrie's back, that you know Terry Rozier probably is not back. I think Horford opts into his contract, but how much are you willing to pay? Um, you know, pay Marcus Morris here, but. I, I think, you know, it's it's funny when it's, if you want to get cute in free agency, you know, Kyrie will go sign somewhere for $140 million. Um, I don't think you have much leverage there. I think the market will dictate that he is a max player, and there will be two or three teams kind of lined up for him. How many max players total do you see this summer? I mean, are we talking, okay, Kyrie, Kawhi? I mean, is Tobias a max player, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker? How many total max guys do we have this summer? Well, we could probably see seven or eight. I mean, you look at from uh, Durant, Clay, Kawhi, um, you know, Kemba, um, Kyrie, uh, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, guys like that. And, you know, people always say, like, well, wait a minute, Chris Middleton's not a max guy. And I say, yeah, he's not. But the market dictates that. Mm-hmm. You know, the market will dictate if Indiana comes in and offers Chris Middleton four years $140 million. You know, that's usually how it goes. And, you know, then, then the player gets labeled, well, he's not a max player. On it. And it's like, yeah, I know, but it's not his fault. <laughs> you know, that's what it was presented to him there. So I think we're going to probably see seven or eight guys here that could be um, could be max guys. I think it'll be fascinating as far as what happens if some of these players stay where they are. Um, what you know, it kind of bumps everybody up a line as far as um, kind of that next wave of free agents. What does a guy like Nicole Vucevic gets down in Orlando if 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 um, if some of these players stay? Does somebody go out and overpay him there? Um, you know, Tobias Harris is a good player. Is he an All Star? Probably not. But there are a lot of teams out there looking for stretch fours that can give you 17, 18 points a night and give you eight or nine rebounds, and they don't want to wait 
for develop to develop a player for three or four years. So you will go out and you will probably overpay. There's also the, the thinking that next year is not a great free agent class. You've got Anthony Davis, you've got Draymond, um, and you've got a lot of older players like Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Al Horford, guys like that who are going to be out there. So if you're a team that has room, this is kind of the summer where you can probably be a little bit more aggressive. How many teams total have max space room? Well, it's only about eight or nine. I mean, you look at it, you've got the two, the, you know, New York and Brooklyn, both L.A. teams, Clippers and the Lakers. Um, then you go down the list and you're looking at teams like Dallas, Indiana, Sacramento, um, Atlanta. Um, you know, Pop, we'll see what happens in, um, in New Orleans here with, um, you know, with the Anthony Davis situation. There are teams, some teams that do have room like Chicago, maybe even Phoenix, but yeah, you're looking at, you know, seven or eight teams that have a, a lot of, you know, Utah could be put in that equation um, that could have a lot of room, but, you know, we can eliminate some of them. You know, Atlanta's probably not going to go out and, and get a Kemba Walker or a Chris Middleton or one of these $30 million guys. So I think you're looking at the, the four big markets. I think you're probably Dallas. I always consider a wild card here. Indiana is, is fascinating as far as kind of that mid-market. Can they go out and get a guy? What's the old depot timeline? And, and then when it comes to Utah, you know, and I wrote about them, it, you know, they've never gone out and spent big money in free agency, never. So does that kind of change a little bit knowing that this is kind of what this team is right now? We're talking with ESPN's Bobby Mark. Speaking of New Orleans, Gerson Rosas is now in place as the Wolves' president of operations. He interviewed in New Orleans, interviewed in Washington, although Washington is still looking for – a president or a GM. So we can't say that he was turned down there in Washington, but he was turned down in New Orleans. He's been turned down before, but he got this job. I mean, I guess what, what are your overall thoughts on the Wolves hiring Gerson Rosas? I am a huge fan. Mm, I really nice. am. And I've known, I've known Gerson for a long time. I really have. I and mean, we, we've done, you know, back in the day, we put these, these draft workouts together, these mini combines. So it was, it was, we were both kind of co-committee heads on this. And so I have a, a working relationship for him. I am thrilled that he was uh, uh, got an opportunity in Minnesota based on going through the process. And the process of interviewing is not hard. You know, teams are looking for something different in everyone. And um, I think Gerson will be great there. I think working for Darrell in Houston for, what, 17 years, uh, he knows the lay of the land. He uh, was part of Team USA with Coach K. Um, and I think he would do really well. You know, it would be interesting as far as what he does with building out his staff. Um, you know, I think the likelihood is that, you know, you know, Coach Saunders stays, I would, mm-hmm. I would think, keeps some con- continuity. But then it, then it turns to the roster. I mean, that's, at the end of the day, that's what it's going to, you know, the, you know that will dictate things here. And um, But I am, I was thrilled that he was able to get the job in, uh, in, in Minnesota, and I think he would do a really good, um, a really good job with that. On the roster, I mean, He's pretty handcuffed. I mean, he can try to trade some of these guys, Jeff T, Gorgie Jang, maybe Andrew Wiggins, but for the most part, he's handcuffed. I mean, is it just the mid-level exception that they have really to do anything in free agency? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at your own guys, so you have to figure out what you want to do with Derrick Rose and uh, Tyus Jones as far as with those two, but um, those guys will kind of dictate what you have. And, um, yeah, I mean, you're really looking at, um, you know, not a 9.2 or 9.3 million dollar uh, mid-level exception. Your lottery pick, as far as what you're uh, what you're going to be, and I think what you're going to see probably with Gerson. And I, I wrote about this a year ago in in, in Orlando. Is that 
when uh, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond took over is that you usually take that first year to, I, I call it an audit. You audit the team. You basically kind of sit back a little bit. You, you know, you go through the draft, you maybe add around, you know, you hit some singles in the off season and you kind of figure out what you have. And then you go into, into the following year and saying, okay, this is what we need to do. Um, I would be stunned if he came in here kind of big hitting and, you know, tried to, you know, change, uh, move everyone there except for Cat. Um, I think you're going to, you know, the, the Teak thing will be interesting because he is going on an expiring contract as far as what, you know, what you do with him there. But I, I you know, I just think, I think Gerson will take a, a patient approach to what he has um, and kind of take a, you know, big, uh, full evaluation to this. A lot of Wolves fans are listening right now saying, no, Bobby, trade Andrew Wiggins. There's a lot of Wolves fans off the Wiggins bandwagon now. Heck, it takes two to tango, right? I'm not quite sure there's a Wiggins trade out there to be had. I'm also curious to see him with a full season playing for Ryan Saunders. There were stretches, not like every game, but there were stretches under Ryan Saunders where there was some improvement from Wiggins. But I've heard some people volunteer, call Charlotte, offer Wiggins for Nick Batum. Okay, I get it that that Wiggins has a higher ceiling, but you've got four years at big money left on Wiggins' contract. On Batum's, you've got two. Whether it's a deal like that or a comparable-type deal, would you explore something like that, taking back maybe lesser talent per se, but just to free yourself of the Wiggins contract? Well, it depends on what are you going to use the Wiggins contract for. That, that's the big thing. Are you, are you wanna, do you want to be an active participant in free agency two years from now? Um, I think... You know, yeah, I mean, those are that's the type of options that you're looking at. It's interesting that there are not that many bad contracts anymore. I mean, I think going into this previous season, I think there was 110 players that had contracts that stretched, um, that had, you know, uh, another year that were not expiring here. And I think, you know, the Della Vidova, the, the John Hensons of the world. And that number now cuts, basically it's cut in half after, um, you know, after 2019-20 because – a lot of these players that signed in 2016 are, are going to expire. You know, all those big money contracts from when the cap went up are set to go. So there's not that many, there's not that many, uh, you know, contracts long term outside of probably, um, you know, the Andrew Wiggins of the world and, and guys that are, you know, all NBA type caliber. Yes, you know, Nick Batum has a, another uh, another couple of years left, but I I don't know if I'm ready to just kind of throw him out the door. I think if, if I am you know Gerson, I am I'm, I want to see what I have here. I want to see a full year, um, you know, under you know under Ryan. I agree. I mean, I foresee Andrew Wiggins here next season. Bobby, always appreciate your time. I appreciate. It. Thank you. Former Nets assistant general manager, now ESPN analyst Bobby Marks. We transition to the collegiate game. New Golden Gopher Alihan Demir joins next. This is the Scoop Podcast on Score North. Miguel Sano will spend some time with Triple A Rochester. Should be back with the Twins in a handful of days, but we continue here on this very basketball centric edition of the Scoop Podcast, episode 228, here on 1500 AM. Score North, scorenorth.com. We transition from the pros to the collegiate game. Let's catch up now with somebody who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago before he had made his decision on where to play his final year of college. He now has made that decision. He will be a golden gopher. He is a transfer from Drexel in Philadelphia. It is Alihan Demir. Let's catch up with Alihan on how he came to the conclusion that he wanted to be a gopher over many other options. Here is my conversation with Alihan Demir. Alihan, now that we're talking once 
once again a couple weeks later. You've made up your mind. You will be a Golden Gopher. Just take us through the process and how excited you are to come here to Minnesota. You know, I am very excited to be a part of a part of a Gopher Golden Gopher family. I think uh, throughout the process, I felt really comfortable with Coach Pitino and his staff. I think uh, that helped me make my that helped me in my decision a lot. Also, the fact that. Uh, Minnesota is a great city. The campus is great. Facilities are great. That all helped me throughout the throughout the process. Was it an easy decision or a tough decision? Correct me if I'm wrong. You also visited Kansas State. Yeah, I mean it was a hard decision. You know, Kansas State is also another great school. They have great coaches and facilities and stuff. But uh, I just I just felt like I more comfortable and feel better about the Minnesota. How many schools total, Alihan? contacted you and then was it just visits to minnesota and kansas state yeah i just visited minnesota and kansas state but some uh, other coaches and schools came to philadelphia and visited me in here but uh i don't have the total number but i think it was over 40 40 high major schools that contacted me wow so i mean alihan how did you how did you whittle down that list? How did you go from 40 schools reaching out to you, high major schools reaching out to you, then to decide on, okay, I'll take two visits, and then ultimately deciding on Minnesota? Uh, so what I did was, as soon as schools would call me, I would look at their uh, record from last year and the players in my positions and the uh, coaches, like coaches' career and resumes and stuff. So when I, when I apply all those fielders and some others as well, I just came up with uh, Kansas State and Minnesota, and I visited both of the schools and eventually decided on becoming a Golden Gopher. You touched on your connection with Coach Richard Patino, so you visited here. He also visited you in Philadelphia. What was so genuine about your connection with Coach Patino? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I just I was just impressed with his energy and uh, his uh, his speeches about the basketball and. And other stuff, you know, I just felt really close and comfortable with him. How did he tell you that he plans on using you? So, you know, I can play inside and outside, and he showed me some clips of uh, of, of of Minnesota from last year where he could utilize me more on the on the team and how we could benefit benefit me and the team. You know, pick and pop, uh, dribble handles, uh, one couple of security isolations and stuff. And you can play both forward positions. We're talking about Alihan Demir, new Golden Gopher. You can play both the three and the four. Yes. Which one are you more yeah. comfortable at? I think I'm more comfortable with uh, with the playing the four, but uh, in Drexel sometimes I play the five in the small ball situations, and uh, over in Turkey I play the three, and sometimes even the even the guard bringing the ball up, you know, starting the offense and stuff. Even in direct light, that three as a four-man. Now, what video did Richard Pitino show you? Because the four-man last year, Jordan Murphy, is more of a down-low guy. He's working on his outside shot, but a lot of his scoring, in fact, 95% of his scoring, was from the down-low position. So what video did he show you? Did he show you clips of Amir Coffey, or did he show you video of maybe a few years ago of a guy named Joey King? Who did he show yeah, you? Joey King. Joey King. That's him. Okay, so Joey King. So he showed you video of Joey King, how he used Joey a few years ago, and that's how he envisions using you? Yes. Obviously, he said uh, I could drive more and play post-up more than he did because I think he was like 
really good shooter, and he relied on his shooting more than I did, I think. Describe your game. I mean, I know I asked you about this a couple weeks ago, but the audience is always changing. So there are people listening right now that didn't hear you on the podcast a couple weeks ago. So describe to the audience what kind of player you are. Describe your game to everybody. I think uh, for my size, I can handle the ball really well. I think I have a really good court vision, and I think I have a good feel for the game, you know. I can read the game well, uh, both on offense and defense. Uh, I can, I'm, I think I'm good at finishing around the rim with both hands, right and left. And, uh, you know, I can play inside, outside. I can knock down the open trees and drive and find the open guys or finish it by myself around the rim. How tall are you? I'm about six, eight and a half, six, nine, in a good day. And then how much do you weigh? 230. Okay, so six, eight and a half, 230. So you feel like you have you have enough muscle when you need to. You can play down low, or is that an emphasis this summer to add even more muscle? It's definitely an emphasis to add even more muscle this summer. But uh, I don't think I'm the strongest guy. But as I said, I can read the game and read my opponents very well. So I think I finesse them more than I you know, bang inside like Jordan Murphy did. When will you arrive to campus? About June 15th, I think. So you just you have some work to finish there at Drexel, and then you'll be here yeah. for the start of summer workouts? Yes. And, I mean, what about the benefit of you guys will be taking a European trip, right? You guys are going to Italy in, is it August? How much are you looking forward yeah, to think, that trip? I think it's in August, and, you know, it's, I think it's a great, uh, great opportunity for me to uh, make some bonds with my teammates as we're gonna get to more get to more practices in the summer and play some games even before the season starts. So I think it's gonna benefit us more. What stood out, Alihan, about the way you played against some of the Power Six opponents that you guys at Drexel played this past year? That has you convinced that as you as you bring your game up a level, right? I mean, going from Drexel to the Big Ten, I think we can say that's that's a jump in competition. What has you convinced, based on the way you've played against some other Power Six-type opponents, what has you convinced that you'll be able to succeed in the Big Ten? Uh, you know, as I said, I played the game uh, in my mind more than, like, uh, physical tools, I think. And if you're smart and if you know what to do on the court, I think you can just play on any level. And uh, obviously I'm tall enough to play in, the, in any competition. But if I even improve myself more in the weight room, it would just benefit me more. And, and the fact that I think I did good enough in this level, I felt like I need to challenge myself more and get to the next level and try myself at the next level. Yeah, and you were third-team all-conference. So you are one of the best players. You know, you were, I guess it's now past tense. You were one of the best players in the conference mm -hmm. there with Drexel. So, yeah, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, jumping up a level in competition mm -hmm. as a graduate transfer. What about your three-point shooting percentage? I just I noticed that, Alihan, that your numbers from three-point range dipped a bit last year. Anything you can mm -hmm. pinpoint why your numbers weren't maybe what they were your freshman year? Uh, I guess I didn't, I didn't uh, get as open looks as many as I did in my sophomore year because, you know, I wasn't the main guy. I, we had some other guys who averaged, like, more than 20 points and stuff. So I think they were a little bit more open, and I got more more open looks and I feel like that affected my uh, my percentage but it's definitely something I need to work on and imp uh, raise my percentage to like uh, high 30s or low 40s 
Yeah, I mean, do you have a number in mind? I mean, I think at one point at Drexel you were like 36%, but then you had a year where you were 27%. So is the goal to be in that 36 to 40 range? Yeah, definitely. How many of your future teammates have you been in touch with? I've been talking to Peyton and Eric. So Eric Curry and Peyton Willis, what have they told you? Uh, You know, when I was there, Peyton hosted me too, and he looked like a really nice guy. And he he told me about his process coming coming to Minnesota and how he likes the coaches and uh, how they practice, how things go in Minnesota. They just uh, gave me a little sense of what what will it be like when I'm when I'm in Minnesota? I'll leave you with this, Alihan. For the next five weeks until you get here on June 15th, I mean, are you working out on your own? Do you have a trainer there in Philadelphia? Just take us through what you'll be doing on the court and in the weight room until you get here on June 15th. So I've been uh, I've been lifting on my own until this point, but uh, I'm expecting to get a weight weight like training program from the uh, coach up there in Minnesota, Coach Bender, I think, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, I've been playing, playing pickup with the with, with my uh, former teammates here, and I've just actually worked out with a with a uh, trainer. Uh, we just started working out with a trainer today, nice. but I was working on my own before that. Yeah. So you'll be working with that trainer then for the next five weeks. Yes. Very nice, Alihan. Safe travels when you get here in five weeks. And enjoy the rest of whatever work you have to complete there in Philadelphia, Drexel. All the best in that regard, and we'll see you here sometime this summer. Thank you so much. New Golden Gopher certainly could be their starting power forward this upcoming season. Alihan Demir, transfer from Drexel, graduate transfer, so eligible immediately. We are done. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. This has been Scoop Podcast Episode 228. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. At the Home Depot, we have Black Friday savings all through November. And with that comes a joyful holiday bustle that we just love to hear. Although we also love the sound that comes after the holidays. When people put their new tools to use. In fact, we love it so much. When you buy select Milwaukee M18 kits, you'll get an extra tool for free. So after you're done filling the air with holiday magic, you can fill it with the sounds of doing. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.